Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I am so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. A huge thank you to Jennifer Harshman and Harshman Services for sponsoring today's podcast episode. I'm so thankful for the team at Harshman Services for being a part of helping my business and for sponsoring the podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. So glad to have you guys with you and excited for today's interview. I am honored to have Brad Burkholder, my brother-in-law, with us. So Brad's been a, a huge supporter of the show and listening to the show. And and as you guys know, I love to have great guests on the show. And so he, I think at some point I mentioned or you mentioned, if you ever want to have me on and and Brad has a wealth of knowledge from um, his career at Chick-fil-A and we'll jump into that in a second and I just wanted to have him on the show he's got a lot of wisdom for entrepreneurs he's been on this journey um, much longer than I have and and he's you know learned a lot went through a lot of struggle so Brad has been a Chick-fil-A operator for 11 years and with the company for 12 and a half years and he is the operator of the freestanding unit off of Lindell Road there in Harrisburg so Brad Thanks so much. Thank you, first of all, for your support. And thanks for, I know you're busy. Thanks so much for taking some time to come on the interview today. Absolutely, John. It's an honor to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show and listen often. As you know, your nieces, which are my daughters, as we go to school, always beg on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when a new episode comes out, they're always begging, we need to hear Uncle John. Where's Uncle John? So it's they're going to be thrilled to hear my voice, hopefully, um, when this airs. So I'm excited to be here today. The good news about the girls listening to my show is the drive to school is only five minutes. So I don't know how people usually listen to me that long. They only have to deal with it for five minutes. So <laughs> no, it's been fun to hear about them and very sweet that they want to listen to the show. So Brad, I kind of gave a brief introduction, but just kind of tell us your journey, like how you ended up at Chick-fil-A. I mean, I know a, lo a lot was required there because I spent time at Chick-fil-A, but like how long it took, what was required, and you can kind of even get into like the journey to becoming an operator. I know you were at the Berkshire Mall and there was a lot of work there, even as an operator. So just kind of give us like, you know, a couple minutes of your your entire Chick-fil-A journey. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to share this, John. Um, so I'll I'll be honest, I have not or did, I did not hear about Chick-fil-A until I was in college and I went to Cairn University right outside Philadelphia. I knew I wanted to own a business. I really felt called as a young entrepreneur to start something. And I will I will say I came from a family, a missionary kid background with uh, my dad uh, as a missionary. My brother went into pastoral work and now my dad's a pastor. So it was kind of like the family thing to pursue some type of ministry. And I always felt like I was a little bit different than that. You know, I love God and I, I definitely wanted that to be part of my story, my journey, but I also love business and I really didn't know how to pair that together. So I'm really grateful for my time at Cairn University, which allowed me to understand I could do business for the glory of God. And that's really where it came to life for me. And um, so I was pursuing this business degree at Cairn I uh, really had no idea what it was going to look like when I graduated. And I got to know a local Chick-fil-A operator, Dave Heffernan, right outside Langhorn there. And uh, he gave us a college discount. So, you know, I started to hang out at Chick-fil-A more. And honestly, the the really beginning of Chick-fil-A We have to was... say, we have to pause, Brad, and say thank okay. you, Dave. Because how many Chick-fil-A sandwiches did we... I, I don't, If you don't know on the podcast, <laughs> I also went to Karen University Um and uh, you would pay for what the, the fries and drink and you got the sandwich for free or reverse. But it was like four dollars. Absolutely. It was, and it was so great to eat as a college kid for four dollars, because that was usually what most of us had in our bank account in a given. That is day. so true. <laughs> Just enough to make it by. Get your Chick-fil-A fix. Totally. And my other friend, uh, my friend Clark was like, hey, if you camp out at a Chick-fil-A and you're the first 100, you get free Chick-fil-A for a year. I was there. Uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, freezing December, okay, in a tent <laughs> with my friend Alex, and we camped out. So I camped out three times at Chick-fil-A grand openings, and I got the free Chick-fil-A for a year. So I'll be honest, I did not pay for my first 150 meals at Chick-fil-A. So thank you, uh, Kathy family, for funding <laughs> my my college um, Chick-fil-A habits, uh, but, and, to, and to Dave as well. Uh, but yeah, so that was my first introduction, really, was, was Chick-fil-A. And, and Dave, I remember Dave telling me, hey, Brad, you should pursue Chick-fil-A. And I was like, no way. I am not going to do yeah. fast food. 
I will not do fast food. I have much bigger aspirations for my life. And I really was pursuing careers at like some large corporations. Um, I had some really good connections at the Best Buy. Um, I was an intern manager for them. Um, And I really thought I was going to go corporate with them or open a local store in Lancaster. And long story short, 2009, I graduated. Great Recession was in full swing. And I didn't get calls back from anybody. Mm-hmm. And I really thought I was, I'm not the top of my class, but I was up there. Um, I felt like I was well positioned to get a great job. And uh, it was pretty discouraging, honestly, in that time, thinking that I was doing really good and ended up not being able to land a job. And so I'm grateful those companies turned me down because the next call I made was to, to, to a local Chick-fil-A owner, Sean mm-hmm. Philby in Exeter, mm-hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania, which is right outside Reading. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him, Hey, could I, um, could I be a manager at your store? Basically begging for a job because I was marrying into the lap family soon. And as you know, we share a father-in-law and he was concerned <laughs> that I could uh, provide for his daughter. And um, Randy, we love you. Yes, we do, Randy. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot of pressure. Right. Yes. And so yep. I had to basically just hoping that I could get a job at Chick-fil-A and it really was going to be a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. And uh, all that to say, uh, Sean hired me and what a great boss he was for me and to me, but he also unlocked opportunities. He wasn't going to hang on to me forever and be selfish. And he really wanted me to continue my career with Chick-fil-A and become an operator. So he put me out there. And in fact, in my third month with him, he sent me to Lower Nazareth Chick-fil-A to do a grand opening and train their people. And I was awful. I mean, three months experience, I was not equipped or ready. And I feel bad to this day that I I did not show up great, but it was a great training opportunity for me. And I learned a lot. And I realized that in this company of Chick-fil-A, I needed to get better. And that's really where I realized if I wanted to stand out among 80,000 applicants, I had to be better. And so I came back from that grand opening, pretty beaten up, realizing that I was not at my A game. I was not standing out and I had to change. And um, so I worked with Sean Philby for almost a year and a half before continuing on in what they call the interim manager program at Chick-fil-A, where if a store is not owned by an operator, it is owned by their corporate office. And um, so there's only a few of those typically in rotation in between operators. And so I took over the Berkshire Mall, uh, which was not too far from Sean Philby's restaurant. And you're familiar with that. I think you've been there a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, so at Berkshire Mall Chick-fil-A, which unfortunately it closed on December 31st um, of, this, of last year. So um, that's sad. And so it was part of my legacy. But I was there as an interim manager uh, for a little over a year. And then I took over as the operator there for four years. Yeah. And you I mean, so tell us a little bit more like, I mean, when I, you know, it's so funny. And this is this week on one of the podcast episodes, we're talking about the difference between McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, right? McDonald's wants investors. Chick-fil-A wants leaders, you know, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, you're a you're a Chick-fil-A operator. You're raking in the dough. Like those first few years at the Berkshire Mall, it was not high, like pie in the sky. It was it was a struggle. And so how many hours were you averaging work in a week? 60, 70 hours? Oh, yeah, it was a lot. Um, and that was to barely make anything. So, yep. yeah, I ran every position. I was a register. I breaded chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, I did sampling. I was out trying to make the money. So mm-hmm. that was on a second um, second story Chick-fil-A. So we're on the second floor in the food court. So on Saturdays, I would go down and set up a table on the main floor <laughs> and I would sample just trying to get people to come yeah. to Chick-fil-A. And that was, I remember the one year, my first full year there, I was working it hard. And I remember we had a 2% sales increase. Now mm-hmm. I want to be mindful like that in our industry, 2% is actually really good mm-hmm. um, in the fast food, quick service uh, industry. But as compared to other Chick-fil-A's, I was like barely making it like 2%. It was pretty low as far as Chick-fil-A standards. And I felt kind of bad. Like I was like, why can't I do better? I do feel like there was a lot of um, the recessionary period was very tough during that season, um, but it was hard work. There was also just seasons of loss. And, and you know, and a lot of your the people listening on this podcast know when you have your own business and you're responsible for the income, there's some months that are great. And there's some months that are very challenging. And I remember specifically one where the power went out in the mall and um, we lost a ton of chicken. And Janelle, my wife and I, we sat behind the front counter at Chick-fil-A and we cried because I was there. I was throwing away the milk and the chicken. And I told her, I said, I have no idea how we're going to like make it out of this mess. Like Mm -hmm. I just threw away hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And like 
those were tough days. Like I really wanted to quit and be like, I'm done. I was tired, exhausted. It was really hard to find hope and Mm. to see a better future. And uh, those were, those were four long years in the mall. You really had to fight for sales and had to fight for team members. And um, yeah, that, that was hard. And, and part of the next journey that I didn't get to was our transition then from Berkshire Mall to Lindell Road in Harrisburg. And, <laughs> and so that was, honestly, I am so grateful to Chick-fil-A. Um, as part of the, the franchise uh, process, they build the building, they own it, and they select an operator for that location. And so I had to apply out and I had actually applied for two other locations before I was selected for Harrisburg. So I, I've been through the nose mm-hmm. where you are, you know, apply or, you know, try to get into a location or maybe a brokerage firm mm-hmm. and you're told no and you don't feel good enough. So I've been through that journey, too, of being rejected and not mm-hmm. feeling good enough. And so it was basically all the eggs in one basket for Harrisburg. And we were like, this is it. Close to family, close to home. They weren't building mm-hmm. a lot of Chick-fil-A's in central PA at the time. And uh, we went all in and we are so grateful that we're selected for Harrisburg. We love where we are. We're hooked into the a great church, Mount Calvary Church in Elizabethtown. And we, we just feel like this is definitely where God wants us to be. So we are 100% um, just so grateful for the journey. And if I had to look back and just share that, I'm really grateful for my years in the mall, as challenging as they were. Mm-hmm. I really needed that. I was so like when I got into the mall, I thought I was the awesomest operator ever. Like, <laughs> I am so cool. I got this. And it just turned out to be proving grounds for me. And I was humbled many times. And I'm just grateful for God, like allowing me in those four years to really sit in some mud and realize that I'm not really as good as I thought I was. And I learned a lot of lessons that I still share with my team today. So I'm I'm so grateful for that. I love, I mean, I'm taking notes. There's like a thousand different ways to go, but tell us real quick and we'll get back to to the hard times and, and the leadership stuff you teach your team now. So one of the things you said that I, that I wrote down was I'm so thankful for the Kathy family and how they're generous. And I feel like when I talk to you, you know, Jonathan, who we're both friends with, good friend of mine, who operates the store in Reading, Pennsylvania, um, Fifth Street Highway, I often hear about the generosity. And um, what have you learned right all the way, right? This is not, you know, Chick-fil-A is not a company where they're like you, one thing they say to your face and it's something different behind the back. You've been to, you know, Dan Cathy's house, right? Incredibly generous. What have you learned from the top down about generosity that you try to pass on to your team and the Harrisburg community as well? Yeah, I definitely would have to say it's it, in generosity. It starts with people first. It's not a, you have to prove that you deserve it to earn it or to receive it. It is, hey, Brad, I don't, you know, when Dan Cathy walks up, he doesn't know who I am. He might know I'm an operator, but he'll treat me as if we've known each other for decades, right? He has included me in the rewards and the the benefits of Chick-fil-A, and he's willing to share that with me. And I believe that, you know, I was I was fortunate to meet Truett early on before he passed away. And I that's a true honor. I always said I wanted to become an operator before he passed away. And he did sign my operator agreement. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, a true honor that he was able to sign that before he passed away. Um, so it, it was just their desire to share, their desire mm-hmm. to include people. I was undeserving. I was in the lowest performing Chick-fil-A mall in the whole entire chain. I had nothing to offer. Like, I don't think I even paid my way to these events that they paid for, right? Because they bring us together every February for an operator uh, convention. And I knew I was not making, you know, what I, what my mall brought into the the fold of Chick-fil-A, it was nothing, but they treated me with respect and care. And so they really show when it comes to generosity, I would definitely say they will treat you like family. They give generously. They treat you with respect. And uh, it's just an honor to know them and be a part and be associated with them. So, yeah, it, it truly is. Generosity is just one mm-hmm. one thing, but their character is, is beyond. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like the media maybe has really tainted them in an yeah. unloving and disrespectful way mm-hmm. when I have not experienced that at all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, so good. Thank you for sharing that. And I love, I mean, so going back to the struggle, it's so interesting, right? A little bit, we saw, right? You applied for some stores and you were kind of like, hey, if I don't get this next store, like, would I consider other opportunities? And I think it's such a huge lesson for realtors, right? Like one of the things we talked about before we were going to record was just some of the, one of the things I wanted to discuss was like how so many realtors quit when things get hard, right? But you've kind of endured all of that. Like you kind of, I, I mean, I know you guys have been through a lot personally and in the business. And so I think it's a huge lesson to realtors. And I, I you know, I wrote down specifically, like it's hard to find hope, you know, fought for sales, like you were kind of doing everything. And I think the lesson, Brad, and you can kind of expound on this is like, you know, you didn't sit. I mean, you guys have been through a lot, right? And you trusted the Lord to like guide you guys. And um, it wasn't always easy. But I think one of the things, too, is like you didn't sit there and sulk. You're like, OK, well, how do we get sales? What do I have to do? OK, Chick-fil-A, I'm, I'm not. You're saying, no, this isn't the opportunity for me. Then I'm going to work hard to show you that the next opportunity is right. So what did you know, what did you learn in all that struggle that can that realtors can say, oh, you know what, maybe even when the going gets tough, like I need to keep working hard and doing my best? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And and I believe we can find purpose through the pain. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about peaks and valleys. As a realtor, there's recessionary periods, there's wonderful times. And a lot of that is outside your control, just like me in the mall and foot traffic in the mall was outside of my control. Mm-hmm. I could only attract so many people into the mall. And so there's just the acceptance that there's peaks and valleys. I always say the valley is where we learn our character and our true commitment. So I would say like as a realtor who's maybe struggling and maybe questioning, hey, is this really what I want to keep doing? Like they have to go back to their purpose and and go, why am I doing this? And I ask why a lot. Why do I want to be a business owner? And, and deal with the things that are out of my control or perhaps in my control, but are going to take a lot of work. And it's like seeing this mountain before you and going, I have to push through that. You see a mountain and you have to climb it and it's going to take a lot of work and maybe sacrifice. And it's like, that's when your commitment gets challenged. And I don't speak low of people, you know, operators that have either left or, you know, realtors who maybe have left and quit and been like, I don't want to do this. It is challenging. So I will always respect those mm-hmm. people who have given their best shot and have tried. And they have what I would call the balance of worth it's. The mm-hmm. worth it to stick it out was not enough. And that's okay because they were called to something else that was worth it. And so one thing I, I try as people leave my organization, I always try to encourage them. I really hope you're leaving for something that you want to do. If you're leaving because it's hard, you just kind of lost your why, you're kind of swimming in the mud and you're just not sure, I always tell them, I want you to leave for the best reason. And that's you pursuing your dreams. Mm -hmm. If you're just going to leave and jump over to a competitor or somebody else, I will challenge them and say, I think you're making a bad decision. I I don't like to be selfish and challenge people hard. um, But when it comes to that, I always say, why do you want to work here? Like mm-hmm. what, what motivates you? And I do think as things get hard in the Valley and as we had those challenges in the mall and even right now in our freestander sales are good, but it is sure hard to find a team member right now. Yeah, There are challenges. So I'm, I, I hold the uh, blessings and the challenges together mm-hmm. and it's easy to just focus on one, but it really is finding the balance between the blessings and the challenges and holding them both side by side and go, I understand my purpose and my why, and I feel the blessing of that, but I also accept the challenges. Most people just want the success. They want the, man, the the great Cinderella story before them and they got somewhere. And it's just like any other goal of a marathon. And you've talked about running Mm -hmm. on your podcast before of you have to actually go out and do something before the marathon, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to practice or you're going to get like two miles in and pass out. Um, you have to condition yourself. And I would say the same is true of a realtor or anyone owning their own business. It is very difficult and through those challenges. So one of the things recently, and I'll just share real quick, I have been big on rest and recovery. It has been my message mm-hmm. this year to my team If we want to grow as individuals and as a business, we have to find rest and recovery. And a lot of people, it is surprising. So I'll I'll give you a stat. I I, um, give PTO to most of the people on my team. They get paid time off. 
25% of it was not used this year. Mm. So it is interesting that even though it's given to them as a gift that, hey, you can take time off, that 25% of the hours were unclaimed this year. And so that is just a unique stat that I, I'm, I am pushing my team. And so even for me, I have to set the boundaries to find the rest and recovery because it is challenging. A lot of people who are getting burnt out um, have not found the place where they can find the rest that they need. Mm-hmm. So that's been my message this year to, to you know, last year and going into this year for my team has just been finding rest and recovery. Yeah, that it's so good, man. I, lots of good stuff there. And that's an, a crazy stat that basically a quarter of it goes unused. Um, Tell us what it's like, you know, realtors, you know, I help lead our team. A lot of realtors that I coach lead teams. Tell us what it's like to go from like doing all of the stuff, you know, at the Berkshire Mall. I see you laughing already to now. I mean, you're not necessarily in position. I sort of I'll give Brad a hard time, guys. I'll go to eat and I'll be like, oh, you're sitting in the back office. But I think and I sort of joke with you, but it's because now you have how many tell us how many employees and like what it's like leading that team how you deal with like basically going from doing all the work to now being like, well, I'm the guy at the top, not in a like disrespectful way, but like I have to manage my managers well, and they're supposed to lead you. What is that even like? And what was that shift like between the mall and then now the freestanding unit in Harrisburg? Yeah, that that's such a great question. I'm laughing because I think I'm still trying to figure that out, but <laughs> it, it is an ongoing, right? Cause growth requires learning and a restructuring. And so I would definitely say we, we want everyone wants to grow their business. And you've talked about your updates for your business and growing. Well, it's pretty difficult to do the same thing and be the same person and continue to grow unless you're giving more hours and doing more. I know you're big on family time and big on boundaries. And uh, yeah, so in the mall, I had around 20 to 25 employees. I was the one-stop shop. I was the man with many hats. I was, like I said, I was sampling. I was the marketing dude, HR. I worked a lot of hours. I was your trainer, so I hired you. I trained you, um, and passed them off. I had a great team though that also supported me in some of those functions. So then we got to the Freestander. We opened in uh, 2016 at the Freestander with about 85 people. And so that was a big jump uh, for me. And now, so we're almost seven years in, we will have 180 uh, this year. We probably need 200. So, you know, in in the course of seven, eight years, I've learned to go from 25 to 180. You know, I really want to grow to 200 is my goal. Um, If we can find them, we'll hire them. (laughs) So um, that is, that's a stretch. I always tell my leadership, you were, you were hired and promoted because, you know how to lead yourself. Most people, especially entrepreneurs, are motivated, driven individuals. They love the thrill. They're competitive. And I always say like, there's kind of, you know, not everybody's the same. So I want to make sure we understand that God makes everybody different. But there's typically when entrepreneurs or people who own their own business, they have a drive. Um, and so my leadership are the same way. They're, they're people who want to you know be promoted. They're, they're they're eager to learn. And so I love when great leadership come in my organization and we're able to just continue to grow. And um, so, yeah, leading self is that first step. The second step is really hard. And it's the most challenging for people as they grow their organization. That's leading others. It's easy in concept. But when you start talking about holding people accountable and delegating, trusting them, <laughs> um, there is just giving up control. There's a lot of aspects of leading others that even I have to sort through and make sure, okay, how have I delegated well? How have I communicated my vision? And there's a lot of times where you know I give a vision for something and I see it one way and the person comes back and makes it completely different, whether it's an event or a marketing thing or, or whatnot. And I've had to learn how to be like, you know, that was my vision for it. And you heard it a different way and you came back and actually made it better. Hmm. And unless I want to do everything, I have to let go of the control. And um, so really, uh, it's really communicating well, setting the vision for my leadership and my front. Of, so I have it kind of split up front of house and back of house. I also run like a, a pretty large delivery and catering business. So we call that beyond the restaurant. And so we have these me- main three areas of our business that have dedicated leaders, uh, directors that are overseeing that. And so I meet with them regularly, making sure they understand where I want to go with it, where to invest, maybe where we have to cut. 
And so that is very difficult, is very challenging and still is challenging for me to you know hold people accountable when things are going well, when the standards aren't being met. That's still hard for me. It's not in my personality to always hold people accountable. But I would say as you grow your organization, it is passing out the tasks. So um, one person, my mother works in the office. She's incredible and she's my opposite. So she pays all the bills, <laughs> does all the payroll. And I'll tell you what, if I had to do that and I did it in the mall, so I know, mm-hmm. um, I know how to do it. But if I did it, I would lose probably like 50% of my energy instantly by having mm-hmm. to sit at a desk and do all this stuff. And so that's one thing. Sure, it was an easy pass off, right? It was like, I don't want to, I don't enjoy this. So I always encourage entrepreneurs find someone that you can delegate the things that you don't want to do or that you're not good at and find those people, delegate to them. And usually they're way better at it than we are. Like that just comes down to it. Because if it's not our wheelhouse, they will actually thrive in it where I'm just like swimming in the I'm just like, oh goodness. Um, I would much rather honestly be out talking to people, engaging with my team, working alongside of them. And so that's really been my desire is to actually work myself out of a position so I can actually do what I want. Um, I love just running a register, going out on an iPad in my drive-through. I enjoy just working with my team. And so that means passing off the things of uh, things that maybe I don't want to do or just honestly just suck the life out of me. And so I, I am quick to pass those to especially people that I trust, but I have to be willing to give up the control. And that yep. sometimes is the hardest part. And and it's I mean, I'll just say, right, like and you know this because, you know, my Chick-fil-A journey, one of the hardest things when I was in management there is basically not getting too big for your britches and basically being willing to hand things off, like not having it be an ego trip like and that that can be hard. And the other part is like, then you're right, like handing it to somebody that's going to do a good job, right? You have leaders and maybe they're running the kitchen one night and it's slow and you're like, I would be doing this differently. Well, I have to trust their leadership skills. And so I think leading yourself, leading others is so key because I think a lot of us are really good at leading ourselves and even even on the team, right? In my role, I do all the coaching training. I do all the social media. I had to learn some of those communication skills better that I wasn't doing good in like at careers like Chick-fil-A because and and I had to hone those in. So you talk a lot about leadership and I love it. So both of us, and actually it's funny, I think when we were together a little bit ago for Thanksgiving, family, I think it might have been Randy. Hello, Randy basically said how impressed he was and i'm not tooting our horns but i'm intrigued about what like what makes you do this he basically we were both talking about the lead the coaching that you do that you have and totally freedom that i'm in and pay you know good money for so tell us more about why you feel i mean i know why and i've said it but from your perspective why is it important to always be learning to pay for the coaching group that you're in you read a ton right why are all these things important to you Yeah, I think it's that constant uh, moving forward. Like I said, if I want to grow my business, I have to be willing to scale myself. And so that is what what do I need to learn that I don't know? And sometimes that takes a little processing of so like I purchased some books recently about how to scale a leadership team, because my goal is to double my business in the next two years. And so I have to prepare for how to be a better leader um, in that topic. Um, I would also say like um, emotional wellness is a topic that is big. So I'm reading a couple books uh, regarding like, you know, kind of like uh, workplace emotions or how to, you know, motivate people. So that, yeah, that is, is critical. And I remember John Maxwell saying, right, the leader is a lid on the organization. And that's true of a team. Um, No one's really going to outperform the leader. Uh, I mean, it happens, but I would say it's a rarity. So when you're looking at as a leader of a team, you really have to challenge yourself. Now, there becomes a time where you start looking at yourself going, am I just doing this to perform? And you, then you start dealing with perfectionism, right? Of like, oh my goodness, I have to do all this stuff so my team follows me. And there's like this maybe an errant uh, pressure to do that. And there's times where I've approached my team and I did this recently where I just told them I'm stuck. Like mm-hmm. I I actually am I'm struggling to show up well. And at the end of that meeting, my leader said, I just appreciate you being so vulnerable and authentic. Um, so I'm not going to show up here and say, like, I read every day and I'm amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle sometimes to show up well. And when a team needs you, when there's 180 people who are looking at you going, OK, like, where are we going today? 
it's hard. So I, I'm very vulnerable that, um, and if I don't feel well, or I'm not like on my A game, I'll either admit that to the the directors around me, um, or I, I might not even show up that day and just say, you know what, I think it might actually hurt the team if I don't show up well. So I'm willing to set those boundaries. Uh, but coaching is so important. And I believe that's that outside perspective, because like you said, it can become an egotistical trip when all of a sudden you're the most powerful person in the room, right? <laughs> and we get this big head and commanding and my way or the highway type of mentality. And people don't want to work for that. And um, I think the coaching allows me to kind of move out of my role as an owner and have people who are willing to speak truth into my life and be honest with me. And I've been challenged and they don't even work with me, right? These are just some coaching friends that call me out and I'm like, who are you? Like, I barely even know you, but they know me enough and are, and are so good at coaching and reading people they can see right through me. And so, um, I am, I am part of the Townsend leadership program. And, um, so that is just, that has been uh, the last two years I've been a part of that. And that has been a huge part of my growth journey through COVID. And I'll be, I'll just tell a quick story. Like that came out of 2020. I knew about that program years before that, but in 2020, the pandemic set in, you know, Chick-fil-A, we were just swamped and we were busy. Mm -hmm. I ended up in the, in the hospital with an anxiety attack. I had no idea what was going on with my body. I just knew it was shutting down. And in that moment, I said, I need help. I cannot be a hero to everybody. And I got to start taking some steps. So that's honestly when I started making my decision that I need to get part of a coaching group. I need help. If I want to show up to my team healthy and mentally well, I need to reach out for help. And that was kind of like my rock bottom moment um, that I was like, this, this is my time. And, uh, that's when I reached out. So it is crucial to be a part of something. We have operator teams. So like, I'm a part of a nice team, a mm -hmm. great team in, in central PA, but this is outside of that. So, mm -hmm. um, I think it's definitely, definitely great. And so let me ask you, John, like, what do you experience from your coaching? And I know you've, you've shared on the podcast, yeah. but like, why are you a part of, of, of the TLF? Yeah, I think it's so interesting because you kind of need someone to call your call you out on your baloney every once in a while, right? Um, so I was on a call today, and you know we're recording this on a Tuesday. I uh, this morning, uh, a lot of people were away for the holiday, so it was three of us: Vincent, me, and someone else. And so I literally got one on one access, basically for an hour. I talked for an hour, shocker, guys, about what I'm working on, what I'm trying to do, where I'm taking the podcast in 2023 where I want to take my business, the membership, like a couple. And and I've shared this, you know, a, a few weeks ago, but now a few months ago, now that as people will hear this, they said, you need another tier. Like people are asking for more stuff. And I boom, brought another tier up. And since then, two people have signed up for the membership. Both have signed up on the new tier. Now, the $100 a month from each of them isn't the point. The point is there were people asking for more coaching. And here comes back to the boundaries. I would have said, oh, for what you're paying in the regular membership, I'll just help you. Well, no, I have to have boundaries. I have to have boundaries on myself. So, you know, I heard too, I think that's one reason. And I think another reason um, I'm involved is because they say, if you, you know, if you want to be a good leader, if you want to be a good business person, you know, Vincent invests 10% of his income back into growing himself, right? So if the income's $10,000, you invest $1,000 a year into yourself. It's $100,000, 10, whatever it is. It's one of those things where it's kind of like when I think about what I do with my money, I give like God comes first and that's the first. And then investing in myself comes second, right? Because it makes me better for my family, for the realtors that I coach. Like, and, and I have to do that. I have to be better. So yeah. Brad, it's always awkward when someone asks me questions on these interviews because I'm like <laughs> on the spot. I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. But yeah, that's why I do that. Yeah. I'm going to give a little teaser here, John. When we wrap up, I actually have some quick um, speed round questions for you. So when we end, um, I, I created some questions that I think your listeners just need to know you a little bit better. So I can't we'll tell if you. Uh, wait, are you serious? Oh, I'm serious. Yeah, I have questions here. So whenever we wrap up here, stay tuned for the speed round with John. I got to make I, sure. Um, I have a feeling I know what one of the questions is, and I'm so scared. All right. So we've talked about leadership. Tell me real quick, what does leader mean to you and what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, I think that's a great question, especially when I talk about these peaks and valleys, right? Yeah. Um, you go back to the highly, um, what's that book? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, like, like start yeah. with the end in mind, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, I often think of my my time retiring from Chick-fil-A, you know, hopefully a long time from now, 25 years or more, like, 
what does that look like? What does my legacy look like? And that's actually been a focus getting through COVID and the great resignations. Like these have been some tough yeah. years owning, owning a business with a large amount of people. And I would say I had to continue coming back. So leader, I mean, I go with John Maxwell's definition of influence. I think it's the easiest way, you know, getting a motivating group of people towards a common goal as well. Like that to me is leadership. I feel called. And one of the things I try to focus on too is creating a, a caring environment for my team. I've I've been in part of businesses and companies, a lot of great ones. Honestly, in fact, I've had some great leaders in my life and I actually don't have very many poor examples, but I know what it's like to maybe show up and maybe not be hundred percent engaged or know what we're, what's the goal today or, you know, so I, I feel for the working public, especially after, after COVID, Mm-hmm. I feel for like um, incivility is on the rise. Like there's articles out there now, like the frontline workers are being abused. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a calling that I want to create a work environment where people are cared for. And my leadership promise is, is just that to create a caring environment where team members feel cared for, uh, where they're equipped to grow and inspired to be the best version of themselves. So that's really what, what I want to promise. Every time I hire someone, I go over mm-hmm. that and I, I'm like, I'm here to inspire you to be the best version of yourself. Now that might mean I call you out on mm-hmm. some things and your attitude and, and yeah. you're showing up late, you know, that that's their standards here. You don't get off like just yep. because I, I'm, I'm really want the best for you. And so I tell people, I don't want to be your favorite leader. I want to be your best leader. And Ooh. that means challenging conversations. And so really, you know, that's really my passion is to, to really have an environment that people want to come to work and never want to leave and, and really feel a part of a community. And we've been able to build that at Chick-fil-A Lindell Road. And I'm really proud of my leadership. So about 35 leaders on my team there. And mm-hmm. they, they're they really bought into encouraging my team and team members as they show up. I mean, I have people out on iPads, right? In like 30 degree weather taking <laughs> orders. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys are incredible. Like I'm blown away, but what my team can do. And it really is that caring environment. So I, I, I just, I'm called to be a leader to do that. And um, I'm really inspired that Chick-fil-A allows me the opportunity to care for my team the way I want to. And um, yeah, that's just, I'm really passionate about people enjoying. So I follow the the Ken Coleman podcast mm-hmm. as well, a lot of just people need to enjoy their job and find their purpose and passion. And there's some times where people leave Chick-fil-A because it's not it. And that's okay. Um, I, like I said, I want them to pursue their dreams and what they really are good at and what God's equipped them to be. Mm-hmm. And so we're continuing to build leadership content and um, surveys and assessments to help my team members because they're young. A lot, I mean, our average age is probably like in the 18, 20 year range. So mm-hmm. these are people who are discovering themselves. And um, I just, I, I love that calling of leading this group of people. Um, I'm hoping there's brighter days in front of us because I think the last three years have been pretty tough. Um, so I'm hopeful that we can continue to build, you know, a great commu- caring community at Chick-fil-A. And in turn, we can really uh, create a caring environment in the community of Harrisburg. And I, I love what you're doing there. And I think, you know, we said, I said, I might bring this up. I do think, you know, you, you said you can't sit there and bash W2s on, on the podcast interview, but I think it says a lot, right? A W2, you know, working for you is an, oh, you just show up, right? You know, having leadership at the top, like yourself, like your 35 directors who are investing, you're paying to invest in yourself. You pay for your leaders to either take time off or, I mean, I know you've taken some of your leaders to your cabin. And so like you're investing in them, spending money on that. And so I think like, you know, I know I come across as like, oh, I hate W2s. It wasn't a fit for me, but like, I think what you're doing there, where you genuinely care about people, whether you're the top leader, right? You, one of your directors, right? Or the 15-year-old team member that just started working from you, every single person has value. And so I think that's a lot different than a corporation where someone is just a number. Yeah, there's definitely um, a part there where people are overlooked for their gifts and abilities yeah. and who they are, that they matter. I think you nailed it on the head. They're like just valued for who they are in the organization. And yeah, it's not a fit for everybody and that's okay. Like, I'm proud of you and your journey. And yeah, like I said, W2 is not for you. That's that's because you're driven, you're motivated, you found your purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. And it's been so cool to see the last couple of years just take off in this industry and with your podcast and a relationship. So it's been even neat to see that. And so hopefully for your listeners too, like, you know, get engaged and find that. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's in real estate or if you're really struggling, then maybe it's something else. Yep. Like 
I, I'm a I'm a guy of multiple interests. Like I, yeah. I do the coin collecting. I I go out and shoot guns. I do a lot of different things because I love to learn a little bit of everything. I'm probably mm-hmm. not good at like one thing, but <laughs> I'm mediocre at a lot, yeah. right? And but it's like <laughs> get, get out there and and just discover yourself. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know. And um. I definitely, honestly, I love the real estate podcast because it's it's probably my next interest. Like, yep. hey, what does it look like to invest in real estate? So honestly, yep. I follow your podcast because you're my brother-in-law, but also I'm interested in real estate. I'm not going to be a realtor. So Chick-fil-A, if you're listening, I'm not switching careers. <laughs> um, but, um, you yeah. know, definitely want to learn more. And I've, I've been encouraged by your podcast, John. Oh, I appreciate it. Tell us, uh, be, before we wrap up, we'll do a qu- couple quick questions. I know leadership's important to you and I know your home life's important to you as well. How in the world, you know, you got you and Janelle have three daughters. How do you and how, do, how does she support you in like balancing it all with the demands of work and a busy home life as well? Yeah. So let me start with the regrets. Um, I do feel I'm not perfect at this. And um, so I'll just be, I'll be honest. So like the years in the mall were very tough and we had our first daughter there and I was working a lot and I missed out on those young years. Um, and then my second daughter was born right after my grand opening of the freestander and I was working a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my third daughter, I honestly have felt the joy of having more balance and freedom in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And um, so truly soaking up these memories and time with her all three of them really, but I'm, I finally get to enjoy the toddler stage when a terrible two set up, I'll, you know, I'll probably, uh, start working more, but <laughs> I got to be getting to know. Today. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it is challenging and I, so I don't want to come across like I have us all figured out, but I, Janelle and I have recently been trying to review our calendar better. Mm-hmm. So like I'm passionate about showing up at night with my younger team. They are so much fun. I really enjoy them. And, but it's also the time that my girls are home from school. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, almost competing priorities. So Janelle and I scheduled out like, Hey, what nights mm-hmm. are, you know, can I work and support the team and what night should I be home? We've also blocked off like Tuesday night is our family night. And so we block that off and we do something special. Mm-hmm. So the girls know that I'm going to be around, um, you know, weekends at Chick-fil-A are busier. So mm-hmm. it is, it gets busy. And there's some times where I, I don't think I've missed anything big like birthday party anything like big like that i think i've and my um you know my my director team and my managers that's our number one like we have to support each other like i don't want anybody this is myself included but my leadership team missing life events like they have to be there i have to be there whatever happens at chick-fil-a sorry if you're in the drive-through line and we're short but like we're at home with our family at those critical life moments we're not going to miss those and so that's like our foundational thing and so, yeah, it's scheduling out the priorities, making sure that we're on the same page. I'm not a big schedule person, so I struggle like sitting down and like I'm more wing it, like mm-hmm. whatever happens. <laughs> um, my wife, bless her heart, is amazingly great at keeping a calendar on the fridge of like the next two, three months. So I would definitely say that's one thing, especially as I look to double my business, that I protect what's important. I don't I'm the only dad to my girls. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm the only father. I'm the only husband to my wife. And those are the priorities I have to start with. And so actually, if I can share, if I can remember them all, I'll share them. But this year, or I, I should say in 2022, I came up with my four priorities because I, I was questioning the why. Like, why is why am I at Chick-fil-A? What am, what's my purpose? So my first one is to love God with all my heart, soul and mind. Uh, the second one is to lead my family and to provide for them. The third one is to invest in God's and growing God's kingdom. And my fourth one is to help others win. And so really that's, I've been trying to keep that my focus. It's not about my sales at Chick-fil-A or the drive-through or, you know, all the things that we can, we can kind of pride ourselves in. So I've kind of come back to like, those are my four things. When I wake up in the morning, I look at that on my whiteboard and I go, okay, I'm here to love God. What does that mean today? Let's read the Bible. Let's pray. Let's pray for my kids. And so like, I'm not great at it every day, but those are the four things that I feel like when you talk about legacy, I want to end my career or be on my deathbed and know that my, my kids know I loved them. They know yeah. I love God mm-hmm. and I made them a priority. So those are the four things that I've, I've kind of written down as my purpose. I love that, man. So good. And real quick. So t- so take us back to a time. Now, this could be at the mall. This could be before that. This could, what would be a piece of advice that you would love to go back and give that version of yourself? Yeah, that's a good one. I wish 
I could go back in time and tell the younger Brad, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Not to worry as much, not to stress as much. Um, of course, that's hindsight is 2020, as they say, but mm -hmm. there were times that I probably picked uh, profits over people and or performance over people. And I wish I could go back and reverse that. I think my team and anybody who's ever worked for me, I hope they would know that I, I've always been fair and treated them with respect. Like I don't think that's ever been not true of me, but I, I would go back to younger Brad and say, it's going to be okay. Don't worry so much. So maybe, you know, you're starting off in your real estate career and you're not sure how you're going to pay bills. Like mm -hmm. I understand I've been there. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's only natural to worry. Where are you going to get the money? How are you going to pay the mortgage? And uh, so I would say I would let go of that scarcity mindset way earlier in my life and just know like it's going to be okay. Continue to do lead with character, you know, put people first and it's going to be okay. I would also say the other thing is just relationships over transactions. And that's an advice that I've heard you talk about on, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But I had to also refocus and like it's relationships with my team and my guests that really give me purpose as well. And if I ever see my team as like a robot or a widget to accomplish a goal, shame on me. Mm. If I ever see a guest as a transaction to make a sales goal, shame on me. I've mm -hmm. lost the purpose um, and the reason of why I do what I do. So I would, yeah, I would definitely tell young Brad, like focus on his relationships. That's what lasts. Um, and that's really what matters at the end of that. So th thinking about legacy, I think that's true too. Like mm -hmm. relationships matter and uh, putting the energy and time into that versus maybe growing my business. All right. Last one. And then I promise we're done. Although I guess you have rapid fire yeah. for me. I know he's rapid he's fire. Actually, guys, he's pointing. I'm scared. So and then maybe you said it with in terms of let's let go of scarcity mindset. Um, But a piece of advice to realtors out there, right? Many of them struggling, many of them new in the business kind of like, what did I just get myself into with the rates? Like, what would you say to them? I would say lean into the challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a tough time. Um, 2023, there's a lot of unknowns up ahead. I'm challenging myself of that. Like you can sit here and be worried and out of fear, freeze up basically, and just start to lose the creativity. And that's really what lack, I mean, you have a scarcity mindset, you're not creative because you're only thinking and worrying about what you don't have or what's mm -hmm. not going to be around where I think there's another side of that coin where you're out and you're, you're, you're driven, you're leading, you're leaning into the wind, into that challenge. And I would encourage whatever 2023 has in store for all of us that, you know, either a realtor starting out or anyone that's been seasoned through the years, like whatever's ahead, lean into it, do what's right, lead with character, do mm -hmm. the right thing. And um, I would definitely give that advice to realtors today. So I also want to say like to your listeners, like John's the real deal, like what he talks about on the podcast here. He has led with relationships. So I've done a couple transactions with John. So appreciate um, you, John. You're the first the client I've ever had on the show. We didn't even start oh. with that. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, absolutely. John has done that, the above and beyond that he talks about in previous episodes. You don't just, you're not just there for settlement and or the process of finding something. I remember you gave us a gift for the cabin, a nice, beautiful painting. You also like that Christmas, which was months uh, showed up with like an ornament, like you remembered us. And that to me is like, that's going above and beyond, beyond the transaction, beyond the settlement. So I just want everybody to know, like John's a real deal. He does what he's talking about. Um, I have felt cared for through all the transactions. You communicate well, you're timely. I know there was lots of phone calls and conversations. I think we're at the, weren't we at the cabin together? And we <laughs> Brad, my, wait, we didn't, my favorite one was we listed. So Brad had a property that they'd previously list, uh, lived in and we listed it and then went to the cabin together. They had invited our family and they've been very generous to allow us to use the cabin that they bought. Uh, what was it last year? So we were on our way and basically someone who owned the property next door was like, oh, I think we just put the kids to bed and this gentleman calls me. I want to buy that house. And I'm like, um, OK, you can make an offer. No, I don't have an agent like I want you to do it. Like, how can you get it done? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm with Brad here at the cabin like we hadn't even listed it yet. So I literally had to go into the system and make it. I forget how I did it, but I did it to like follow the, the rules like but I had to like make it active, let him officially see it coming back from the cabin and then put an offer in. But yeah, that that was crazy. We were literally at the cabin. Quick. 
we, I had met you in Harrisburg to go to the cabin and like I had done all the stuff, the sign, the photos had been taken. And then we drove and and two hours later, this gentleman calls me. So, yeah, that was definitely a quick turnaround. That was that was fun. So, yeah. Anyway, I appreciate John, you and your care through all that. So just wanted to share that with your listeners and encourage you. You guys are doing it right. And uh, all the advice that you share and all the guests have. So definitely great. Well, can we do the speed round? I'm so scared. Oh, yeah, you should be. We might cut this, guys. Just kidding. (laughs) That could happen. Um, Yeah, I also when I first met John, I do feel like John did pass the family test as well. Are you going to tell him? Go ahead. I have to tell you. So like I had this Halloween costume. And I don't know what like. Really oh no no no! Go me. back. I thought you were going to say the first time you met me. So maybe we'll tell the listeners. So I was working for Sean at Chick Fil A in Exeter. Valerie and me were talking online. If we you don't know, we met online. You'll have to ask us that story. Val doesn't like to talk about it. I want to. Let's just say I want to be on a Christian Mingle commercial, and she's not having it. So we'll put it that way. <laughs> so you came to borrow something from the store. I knew who she was. I didn't know that you knew who I was. So I gave you the cups or whatever you borrowed for Berkshire Mall. <laughs> and then I think she messaged you later and said, so is he like an axe murderer? Or is he okay <laughs> to talk to? Yeah. And so that was, yeah, that was the first time we probably officially met. But this is, I'm, I'm going to refer to the time that you actually came to the family. Oh, I know. We were all in the living room waiting yep. for you to walk through the door. And yep. I decided, I don't know what provoked me, but I'm really glad I did it because I can share the story. I don't know if we have a picture of this, but anyway, I had a Halloween costume and it happened to be a giant whoopee cushion. And so I got in this giant whoopee cushion and stood there and waited for John to walk through the door. <laughs> so anyway, you're, you're still here and in the family. <laughs> so like, I feel like that was a really good test. And um, it's been great being a brother-in-law with you, John, and and uh, being part of the family. So, all right. I feel like we can go through a couple of questions here so the listeners get to know you a little bit better. So I get to question you. Oh, no. All right. So just, these are really simple. All right. All right, John. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Pepsi. <laughs> all right. Pepsi. Unless it's a Chick-fil-A. Wait, I should say, if I eat a Chick-fil-A, even if I had a Pepsi, I have to get Coke because it tastes better with the Chick-fil-A. That's interesting. Okay, not not kidding. Okay, all right. Beach or the mountains? Oh, I'd say the mountains. I know somebody who has a really nice cabin that I've enjoyed. (laughs) Would you rather type a text or voice text? (laughs) I'd rather type a text because normally I ramble and or it says a bad word. Okay. <laughs> Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber? Oh, Taylor Swift. I'm a Swifty. All right. Chick-fil-A nuggets or Chick-fil-A sandwich? Ooh, Chick-fil-A sandwich. Dog or cats? Oh, don't do this to me because I just asked Val today if we could buy a dog for the kids. I want a puppy so bad. <laughs> you know, we'll have to tell her don't do it. But dog. Okay. Baseball or football? Oh, there's both good baseball. Drive or fly? Okay. People know this to listen to the show. I used to be scared of flying, but now fly is preferred. All right. Madden or Mario Kart? Ooh, Madden. These are good, Brad. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) All right. Would you rather read or watch a movie? Watch a movie. I'm such okay. a bad. We just spent an hour talking about leadership. I'll I'll say I should be reading more. That's good. Is last one here. Realtor or W two job? <laughs> Realtor. Uh, Realtor. I thought oh. I had to end on that one. But hey, John, thanks so much for having me on here, man. It was a pleasure uh, spending time with you, and hopefully, an encouragement to all of your listeners. Absolutely, man. You saw me. I think I took 20 pages of notes. Um, so proud of you. Thank you so much. And I know you are so busy. Um, So thanks for taking an hour with us today. Really appreciate you, man, and proud of you. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for listening to my interview with Brad Burkholder. So thankful for him and proud of him, not only because he's my brother-in-law, but just so encouraged uh, and proud of him for how he's a great leader in his business and just watching his journey and how much he's been willing to um, help me, but also help others along his journey. And there is so much to take uh, out of this episode. I will try not to do another 40 minutes. Uh, But even from the beginning, the lesson he learned very early on through Chick-fil-A, you know, going to that first grand opening, um, knowing that he needed to be better, knowing that there were 80,000 applicants to become a Chick-fil-A operator, and that he had to be better if he was ever going to find success. Um, Having someone like Sean, you know, pour into him uh, and not, not hoard him, right? Not hoard the leadership, but let him go out 
and take these opportunities to eventually become an operator. Those of you that are in real estate leadership, right? I am as well. Um, sometimes people leave our team. Are you hoarding that person or are you you know, really encouraging them to do the best thing for their business, not necessarily just the best thing for you. So I think that's a huge, you know, kind of underlined message there as well. All the lessons that he learned in the mall, you know, I kind of met him right as he was finishing up at the mall, but I saw the journey and even him sharing the story, you know, about the hard times, losing hundreds, if not, you know, a thousand dollars in chicken because a freezer went out, you know, wanting to quit after it being hard, um, and trying to find hope and see a better future. You know, just having those four long years there, I know their family worked very hard, incredibly hard. His wife, Janelle, certainly was a part of that as well. But even, you know, once they found a, were able to get into a freestanding unit there in Harrisburg at the Lindell Road store, you know, up to that point, getting rejected, not feeling good enough, um, and kind of feeling like, hey, if I don't get this opportunity, would I walk away from Chick-fil-A? I think there's a huge lesson there for realtors as well. You know, I feel like so often people that I interview, it's kind of like that last moment right when they feel like they're about to give up is where they kind of like push through and find the success. It's kind of when they make that breakthrough. So I think that's a huge lesson to if you feel frustrated, keep pushing. I loved as well how much Brad shared about Dan Cathy and the entire Cathy family and their generosity. You know, one of my huge takeaways from this episode is just those few minutes we talked about when Brad was in the mall and how the Kathy family desired to, you know, share and include people and even treated Brad, you know, and other operators with respect and care. And I, I love how he, Brad even said, like, I was undeserving. I was in the lowest performing mall in the Chick-fil-A franchise, but they still treated me with such respect and care and treat you like family. I think that's a huge lesson. You know, what they've done well at Chick-fil-A, you know, we're talking about it this week, like they treat everyone with respect, right? Why do you go there and eat there? Well, because they treat you with respect. You feel like family. I know that at the Chick-fil-A's we frequent um, from Brad's to Judy's in Lancaster, Jonathan's in Reading, we feel like family, right? So much that like our birth announcement actually for our first son, Kim Martin, did that for us at Chick-fil-A. She, we kind of felt like she was family and it was a really cool way to find out uh, that Caden was a, a boy when he, you know, when Val was pregnant. Um, but I think it's all about being generous and that's a huge lesson for all of us. Another huge lesson that I took is just Brad sharing about the purpose through the pain, the peaks and valleys. Some of us only want the peaks, but I love how Brad said the valley is where we learn our character, we learn our commitment and I've really seen him do that. Um, I've seen many of you in your real estate career go through so much, but, you know, realize, hey, you got to take the good with the bad. Loved as well, Brad, talking about, you know, how you have to find, you know, balance and talking about, you know, is the balance of worth it? You know, your time with your family, growing your business, um, you know, wanting to be with his kids, but wanting to be with his young team members in the evening. Where's the balance in that? You know, definitely, we see that in real estate all the time. We also... We struggle as well. How do I have balance with my family? How do I, you know, really take care of my family? And and also, like he was saying, take care of myself, right? 25% of the PTO last year went unused. That was just crazy to me. And I think that's a real lesson. Now, of course, we don't get PTO in real estate, but it's a lesson to take care of yourself, take care of your body. Also, as you know, another great one was how Brad talked about trying to improve, right? If he wants to double his business in a couple of years, how can he scale his business? Well, how can he move his sales forward? He, you know, he said, how can I move my sales forward if I'm not scaling myself? You know, the great idea he shared about what do I need to learn that I don't know to have success, right? You know, and I think it was great how he shared about being emotionally well at all, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all those things. Even being willing to admit, hey, I'm not at my best. I, I shouldn't be here today. I'm going to go, you know, be with my family or work on myself, etc. And I love how kind of as we closed out, how he shared what it means to lead for him. And I loved how he shared and he'll share with team members as they leave that I might not be your favorite leader, but I hope I was the best and I'll be honest with you. You know, and then, of course, his priorities was awesome. You know, the main priority is. I'm the only dad to my girls. I'm the only husband to my wife. You know, and he talked about his priorities, thinking about why am I at Chick-fil-A? What's my purpose? And he shared those four priorities that I absolutely love, and I'll kind of go through them real quick. He said, love God with all his heart, soul, and mind. He said, lead his family and provide for them. He said, invest 
in growing God's kingdom, and, and then he said, and helping others win. Aren't those amazing? Like, I thought they were so great. You should just put them on your wall, all of you, all of us should. But yeah, I really, I was listening to this to kind of prepare to post it, and I was so encouraged by listening to him, you know. And again, even that advice to realtors and that advice to himself, right? Character, people over transactions, for realtors lean into that challenge and make people feel cared about. Tons of tons of good stuff. I tried to do that outro quick and not take 20 minutes because there was so much good stuff. So if I talked uh, like 100 miles a minute, you know why. But very thankful for Brad. Um, amazing. Thankful for him as a brother-in-law, but also just his friendship, his leadership skills, and how he really leads that team at Harrisburg well. So make sure you guys go and visit him. You can go support Brad and their team at the Chick-fil-A Lindell Road in Harrisburg. Thank you so much, Brad. Very proud of you, proud of all you've done, you know, through the good, through the bad, through the peaks and the valleys. Appreciate what you've learned and that you were willing to share it uh, with us today. So thank you so much. And I hope all of you listening really got something out of it and learned a lot. So thanks for listening and I'll see you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.